0: Philippians chapter 4 as we continue our series the mindset that cannot fail and uh, we continue looking at that and we look at one main new ingredient tonight in this mindset that cannot fail and we will be getting to that in just a a couple minutes here but we'll begin in verse six through nine just in way of a quick review it's kind of launches out into the next section it says in verse 6, Philippians 4 6, Be careful or be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, notice the peace of God is the result of verse 6, not being anxious for anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, that's faith, with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. Now, why do I say with thanksgiving is faith? Because it's saying, okay, Lord, you have my request. I leave it in your hands. I'm trusting you with it. That's faith. And then in verse eight, it says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report if there be any virtue and if there be any praise think on these things think deeply on these things is the idea here it isn't just let them come to mind and let them let them leave no the idea is meditate on them keep them you're thinking about those good things okay and it's the good things folks that replace the bad things I personally, you know, people talk about multitasking today. I personally don't believe there is any such thing as multitasking. I've never met anybody who can actually do it. They say women can achieve it better than men can. I don't think women can do it either. Now, you can have many plates spinning at the same time, but you're really not multitasking because your attention is on one thing at a moment. And yes, you may go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, but the minute you leave this to think about that, you've left that. You're not thinking about them both literally at the same time. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're not thinking about them both at the same time. Now, if I'm wrong on that, let me know, but I don't think anybody actually multitasks. Again, you can get something going, like you ladies in the kitchen, when you're cooking, you've got all these different things going on at the same time. People say, well, that's multitasking. Well, no, it's not really, because it's not using your mind for more than one thing at a time, all right? Now, bring that over into the spiritual life, And praise God that we really can't multitask because that would drive us crazy, all right? Be anxious for nothing, be careful for nothing. In other words, there are things that get us anxious, scared, concerned, okay? Many people are going through many things right now. Their mind is focused on some things that are very destructive, that are very harmful. God says, instead of thinking about those things, think about these things, It's a mental discipline. It isn't necessarily easy. I know as well as anybody else, we struggle with things and we can be good with something. We get everything set for, let's say, maybe 10 minutes and then we get away from it and all of a sudden we slide back into our worry mode on something or another. Well, what happened? Our mind left, verse eight, and we went back to the anxious things in verse six. Paul says in verse 9, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen, look at that, learned, received, heard, and seen in me, do, and the word there do is proso, means practice these things, make a lifestyle out of them, and the God of peace shall be with you. The peace of God as we give the request to the Lord And we do that truly by faith and we leave it with the Lord, God will give us his peace. And then he wants us to not only bring our requests before him to receive his peace, but then also to do the things that are right and that are attributes of both the Lord Jesus Christ and the word of God, the things we find in the Lord, his character traits, and then the things we find in scripture as well. So this is this verses six through nine. This is a call to walk by faith. And it's also a call to pray without ceasing. And this opens up then the last part of the letter. This leads us to the ingredient tonight and that mindset that cannot fail, and I want to spend the rest of the evening on it basically, and it's the issue of contentment. Philippians 4.10, Paul says, "'But I rejoice in the Lord greatly "'that now at the last your care of me "'hath flourished again, "'wherein you were also careful.'" But you lacked opportunity. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about financial support and having his needs met. Remember, he was a missionary. He was on the move, not continually, but a lot of the time, and he was going from all you know, one city to another to another. Because of his traveling from place to place, it was impossible for Paul to stay in touch with all the churches effectively. You might say, "Well, why is that? Doesn't he have email?" No, remember, it wasn't until just a few decades ago that there was an email. Now think about that. Email has been, and things like FaceTime, has been an incredible blessing to missionaries in foreign places. Before, there were letters or extremely expensive phone calls overseas. And they would, if it was a letter, they'd have to wait a long time to receive that letter if they're in a foreign land. Now you email it and they get it immediately. I mean, it's amazing where we're at. That's a blessing. Here's the point, though. Obviously, they didn't have a mail system like we do today or internet or bank transfers. One of our missionaries, they uh, overseas, they asked us if we would consider uh, setting it up with the bank and doing it. And I think it might even go through PayPal. I'm not quite sure the details right now because I didn't set it up. But anyways... They said the way we were sending it, the government was taking a large amount of it. Now, not the majority of it now, but a substantial amount. I was shocked when I saw it. I didn't know it. So they said, if you can do it this way, we will get more of the money that way. I said, consider it done. Consider it done. They didn't have rapid transportation. Paul did not get in his RV or his minivan or even his sports car and say, okay, you know what? I'm in Thessalonica tonight. I'll be in Philippi. Or I'm in Thessalonica now, I'll be in Philippi tonight. That's not the way it worked. They were either on foot many times or on horse or camel or not camel, well, maybe camel in some instances, on a donkey and so forth. Things were slow, a lot slower than they are now. You might say, yeah, I wish it was that way again. Well, number one, what kind of car do you have? If it's nice, you can go back to that and I'll take your car, okay? Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Here's the point though. Gifts and support could be, and at times were, lacking. They were lacking. There was just no way to get them support or, you know, wires got crossed, so to speak, and they were lacking. So this is what verse 10 is about. But then in verse 11, he says this. You know what? You know, I've been doing without some things, but Paul gives us verse 11, which is so profound and so powerful, and it's one really We probably should memorize, folks. It says, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, those are key words, key words, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He said, I've gone through periods of where I have more than I need and I go through periods where I come up short, okay? I go through periods when I have more than enough to eat and I go through periods when I don't have anything to eat. How do you handle that? Well, he says, I've learned. I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. He had to learn contentment and so do we. And folks, the sooner we start learning it, and I don't know that we'll ever fully learn it, although I think this is something we can achieve unlike patience or love. We know scripture says, oh, no man anything but to love one another. In other words, that is a debt we'll never fully pay. Giving the gospel to the world, that is a debt we'll never fully pay. But in our own lives, the issue of being content, I think sometimes we are, and I think sometimes we're not. And at times we're not, is a problem because nothing ever good comes from being discontent. Never. Nothing. Okay? There are times when we will not have our circumstances the way we want them. And those of us who have the privilege of living in the United States of America, we are the most affluent country in the world as far as the possibilities for all people, regardless of what they're saying on the news in the last week. It is the land of opportunity. America is the land of opportunity. And it does not matter what color your skin is. How do I know that? Well, because there are those who have a different color skin than me who are extremely successful. They've worked hard and they've made it. If that was not possible, there wouldn't be anybody in those places. It's the land of opportunity, these wonderful United States that we live in. But here's the point, with that, A lot of us have a lot of stuff. A lot of us have a certain amount of wealth. You might say, oh, not me. No, no, listen, if you want to go on a comparative scale, go overseas. A lot of the world lives in what we would consider poverty. A person who is low income in America is considered overseas a wealthy person. That's the truth. I'm not shaming us. I'm just saying that is the truth. Paul says we need to learn contentment. God says we need to learn contentment. So in this, we see another aspect of the mindset that cannot fail, this issue of contentment. Again, he had to learn it. It didn't come natural, and it doesn't come natural. Paul learned to be content with the situations and the circumstances the Lord put him in. Now, what is contentment? Well, let's focus on that for a little while, okay? Here you go. Let me give you a couple definitions contentment is finding sufficiency in what you have that literally is what contentment is finding sufficiency in what you have so what do i have i have what i have okay be sufficient with that find sufficiency in that be content with that in other words believe in your mind this is enough what i have is enough Contentment is not looking beyond what you already have in order to be satisfied. That's the way most people live, though. They're never satisfied. They never have enough. They've got to have the new one. They've got to have this. They've got to have that. What do we all have as believers that we can be satisfied with? Well, let me answer that. Hold your place here and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13. Now, I'm not saying we can't um, improve on things okay as an example you may do something to your house to improve it a home improvement you know sometimes things wear out they should be replaced technically do they have to be usually not depends on what it is but many times things should be replaced or it's a it's an investment to where if you do sell this thing you're investing in you're going to be able to get more out of it and in that sense get a little further ahead in that regard. There's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's using sound judgment. The issue is, can we be satisfied with what we have? Or are we always not happy with it? Can we be satisfied? Hebrews 13, five, let your conversation, your manner of life be without covetousness. Notice that covetousness is linked to being discontent. The opposite of covetousness and be content with such things as you have. Do you see it in verse five? Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. Listen, if I am content with what I have, I'm not going to be coveting more stuff. The coveting problem is over if I'm content with what I have. What do I have? The absolute top best cannot be topped for he hath said i will never leave thee nor forsake thee what do i have i've got the lord jesus christ the one true god i've got god the father god the son god the holy spirit they're mine okay god lives within my body in the person of the holy spirit he's with me always he'll never leave me he is the comforter so that we may boldly say the lord is my helper I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Here's the point. Look at verses five and six. So if I have a need, who is going to help me meet the need? It's the Lord. Therefore, I don't have to worry about it and I don't have to be discontent about it. This doesn't mean, folks, the problems we face are not real problems. What it's saying, though, is that the Lord Jesus Christ is the answer to the problems and he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. He goes with us. Lo, I am with you always. So contentment is finding sufficiency in what you have. It's not looking beyond what you already have to be satisfied. And what do we have? We have the Lord, and you can't get any better than that. Secondly, contentment is seeing our circumstances as part of the plan of God for our lives. Okay? It is not a bad thing for us to do without at times. It's a good thing, I'd say, it may be good for you, but I don't like it. I'm not saying we necessarily like it, but can we be content? Can we be satisfied with that? Well, we have to do without this. We have to do without that. I can remember when we first came to Minnesota and, and we started the church and, and then we started having children. And uh, we ate on so, so little, okay? It, we just did. And we didn't think, oh, woe is us. This is a terrible life. We're suffering for Jesus. It just didn't even enter our mind. We just got satisfied with what we had. And My wife, Sue, is a whiz when it comes to how to eat on a budget and live on a budget and be careful with what you buy and all these kind of things. And She would cut out coupons. Listen, if you can't make ends meet, talk to her as far as those of you who have families, okay? She would cut out coupons, and I can remember us going, the time it was the two girls, Laura, you weren't born yet. I can remember going and going to the grocery store. We would go to CashWise on the West side and she would end up, I don't know how she did it through the coupons and the sales and this and that she would end up to where they're giving her money. Now figure it out. You can do it. There's ways to do it. And by the way, it was all legal, but here's the point. We can get by on a lot less than we get by on. And when people moan and groan about how hard life is, these are the same people that line up 10 cars deep at Starbucks to get their Starbucks. Now what is coffee? 253 dollars for a cup at Starbucks, something like that? I think. Can anybody help me on that? What is it? Four bucks a day. You make a habit of it, four dollars a day, four times a. That's 120 dollars in a month for something that you just. Take in and it goes out and I mean, shouldn't have said that, but anyways, you get the idea. Listen, makes no sense. So let's not whine about what we don't have if we're doing Starbucks. Now, listen, if you can afford Starbucks and you do that, that's totally fine. I'm not saying, you know, feel guilty about it. The point though is this contentment. If all of a sudden that was stopped, how would it affect your attitude as a Christian? Listen, if that brings us into despair and depression, we have serious problems. Because that's nothing compared to what some people are dealing with. Okay? It's nothing. Contentment, though, is seeing our circumstances as part of God's plan for our lives. Something happens. Maybe a tragedy. Maybe something gets taken away. This thing, that thing. Can we say, Lord, you know what? You're in control I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to get down about it. I'm not going to complain about it. And we all do, but we shouldn't do it, folks. It's a sin to complain. Bible says in chapter two, do all things without murmurings and disputings. And why sometimes do we do that? You know why? We're not content. We're not content. Well, I don't like this. I can't do this. Thing. Well, wait a minute. Do you need that? Well, no, but it's part of my life. I enjoy it. You need to live overseas for a while in a third world country even just a week changes perspective again seeing our circumstances as part of the plan of god for our lives it doesn't mean that we cannot pray for our circumstances or for something to be different or pray for a need or deliverance from a problem there's nothing wrong with that but we continue to serve the lord with a right attitude regardless on whether the circumstances change or not we continue to serve the lord with a right attitude. See, that's challenging. It is challenging. But it is right. It is biblical. That is the challenge before us. And by the way, this touches on three very important characteristics of God himself. The first one is this. The Lord is all-wise and all-knowing. He knows the future as well as the past. And when something comes into our life that is taken away from us or an expectation that falls through the cracks, he knew it He either allowed it or caused it to happen. And we ought to be able to handle that. Psalm 32 in verse 8, it says this. It's the Lord speaking. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Wait a minute. God has eternal eyes. God sees the end from the beginning. Some of the news channels, they've got the eye in the sky helicopter. And they can see things and they can, you know, they get the big picture from above. God sees everything all at one time and He says, You need to trust me. I will instruct you. I will guide you with my eyes. Hey, guess what? He's got perfect vision and He doesn't make any mistakes. And so I can trust Him. I can trust Him. He is all wise and all knowing. Also, under this, and I've already touched on it. The Lord makes no mistakes. He makes no mistakes. I'll say it once more. He makes no mistakes. Well, wait a minute. You know, we, we don't have anything to eat. We're short this week for groceries and all that. And, and we're eating like oatmeal three times a day. Um, now, Arnie, don't you run over there, okay? <laughs> we're eating oatmeal three times a day. I thought you said, I thought the Bible teaches that the Lord will meet our needs. Now listen tonight, listen to this. Doesn't he promise to meet our needs? Yes, he does. But you know what? Sometimes our needs are different than what we think. Doing without a meal here or there or doing without this new thing. Maybe everybody's getting a new this or a new that. Doing without that. I say, oh, I'm, I'm bummed out. Everybody else gets that. God, why are you being unfair with me? He's not making any mistakes because what we need may be an attitude change. What we need may be a bump in our spiritual growth. And he considers that of greater value than getting off of oatmeal three times a day. I hope you see that. But I just had this terrible thing happen to me. And you know what? The Lord is all wise, all knowing. He knows it and he doesn't make any mistakes. He allowed it. Think of Joseph. What happened to Joseph? God didn't make a mistake. Joseph gave testimony afterwards. You know what? To the brothers, you meant it to me for bad. God used it for good. God was in control and he still is folks. He hasn't lost it. You know, we prayed about this man who got laid off from work or he got let go, laid off. Listen, that's a hard thing, especially for a man. That's a hard thing. You know what? Lord's going to take care of you. Might say, well, but we've got bills. The bills are mounting up. What are we going to do? God is going to provide your needs. What are your needs? They're different things at different times, but he's in control and we can trust him. Okay, here's One. You know, we just got done with um, what would be considered school year and schools graduating and this and that. I can remember every year when I was in Bible college, I wasn't aware that there was such a thing as this, but there was. Now, I went to a large Bible college. We had 1,400 students at one point. It was the, at the time, it was the largest Bible college in the world for a couple years anyway. But I remember this, uh, this weird thing took place in the spring. Weird. All of a sudden, It seemed like every time we had chapel, which was every day, by the way, starting at a certain point in, usually in April it would start, it seemed like every day there was another engagement being announced. Another engagement. Now, I'm not saying some of those were not God-ordained. I hope all of them were God-ordained. What I'm saying is this. You know what happens? There can sometimes come in the lives of college students and seniors, the senior panic. The senior panic, I am graduating and I am not engaged and it doesn't look like I'm getting married anytime soon. And what that can do instead of trusting the Lord, that can cause somebody to make a grave mistake and settle for less than what God had for them. Can you be content? Can we be content with doing without until God provides it? We have to learn it. Paul said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. I'm not saying that's an easy thing. I'm just saying this is reality. And if we become contented people, that's gonna go a long way to having a mindset that will not fail as we live the Christian life. The Lord knows what happened and he will not abandon us. One pastor said this, everything that happens to us happens for us. Everything that happens to us happens for us. You know what? That's a God of love and control right there. Which leads us to our third sub-point here. The Lord loves us. The Lord loves us. He absolutely does. Everything God does or allows in our lives is rooted in his love for us. He is our father, and he's a perfect father, and he has a passionate love for his children jeremiah chapter 31 in verse 3 jeremiah 31 verse 3 it says the lord hath appeared of old time unto me saying Yea, i have loved thee look at this with an everlasting love now wait a minute we talk about everlasting life what is that well it's life that never ends goes on and on and on it never stops does it ever stop for any reason? No, it never stops for any reason. Okay, guess what? There's everlasting life and there's also everlasting love. God loves us always, whether we do good, whether we do bad. He loves us. Doesn't mean He approves of the bad, okay? Listen, God is a God of love. He's also a God of the broken heart. We have a broken hearted God. How do I know that? Because the Bible says we can grieve. Him. We can grieve the Holy Spirit, but He loves us. Romans 8 28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Here it is, folks. If there are bad circumstances in your life that are not your responsibility to change, then just let God have them and be content. Be content. Be content. I can remember when we, uh, our first, uh, or actually it was our second year of marriage, we moved to Orange Park, Florida to uh, start a ministry there. And uh, we had heard that that was, at the time it was the fastest growing area in Florida. So we thought, well, that's a good place to go, Clay County. And so we moved there. Neither of us had jobs, but we we moved there and started looking for work. And uh, Sue got a job first. And what I did is I just, now back then you didn't apply online because there was no online. There were no personal computers, as far as I know. Anyway, I didn't have one, I can tell you that. Most people didn't. And so you went in, and I, I love this. This is old school, but you know what? It's the best school. You go to places and you apply for a job in person. Yes, Amen. You know why? Because it's character driven. Not black and white text. Text. It's character driven. And I can remember going from one place to another, to another, to another, to another. And every application, every application I filled out, they may say, and they may say, we don't have any openings at all. And now, what do you do with those? You know, a lot of people say, well, they don't have any openings, no reason to go back there. Why? Why not go back there? Maybe they're testing you to see is this person persistent? Do they have a don't quit attitude? How do you know that, why don't you do this? Go back in a week. Now, I don't know if you can still do that in a lot of places, but go back in a week and say, and this is what I did. There are certain places that I thought, you know what, I would like to work here. One of the places I always wanted to work, believe it or not, was a hardware store. I don't know why. Something intrigued me about a hardware store. And so um, I know some of our uh, students have worked at Handyman's downtown. But anyway, um, I went there and I applied. And I went back, I think I went back two or three times and they said, we really appreciate your attitude, but we honestly, we don't have any openings here. Well, I ended up getting a job someplace else, but you just don't quit. You look for God to open the door and you trust him. You trust him. And does that cause you to have more faith? Yeah, why? Because you're not, you've got a need, but guess what? We didn't run out of food, we didn't go hungry. Sue got a job before I did, but I kept pursuing. A couple days later, I got a job. And uh, now none of you would probably want the job that I got. It was working for a pest control company. Florida's full of bugs, by the way. If you don't know that, it is. And uh, there are two homes, homes that have pest control and those who are infested. Okay, it's usually the way it is. That may be an exaggeration. But but anyways, here's the point. I talked to them, and I, wasn't, and I had done some pest control at another job earlier, but it was spraying lawns. In Florida, they got these little bugs in the yards called chinch bugs, chinch bugs. And uh, they love, especially the grass in Florida, it's called St. Augustine grass. It's kind of like rubbery. Yeah, you know, how many of you, you, you've been to Florida and you've walked barefoot in the grass? You know it's different than here. It's much more robust. The grass is much more robust. But anyways, I, I got a job at this place and the thing that I liked about it, they said, now look, here's where you're going to be going. Those are the areas that you're going to be going. These are your areas. You know, you don't go to the other areas. You go to your areas. Other other service guys will have these other areas. And we want you to build up the route. And here's how it works. You're going to start, you know, you're going to have this many customers. We want you to build it up and How you schedule it is up to you, completely up to you. You make your own schedule. You do your own phone calls the day before. You get your schedule set up and how you do it is up to you. Well, listen, I was at the same time trying to start a church. And so I'm thinking, man, this may be a great opportunity with my customers. And so it was just one-on-one with them. And I go into their homes to do their pest control. And I have a one-on-one opportunity to share the gospel with them. Yes, i do it discreetly. I would do it in a way that wasn't offensive. But it's amazing what an open door that is. You might say, what happened? Well, the ones I did lead to Christ who got spiritually minded, did they come out? Did they come out? No, you know what they did? They went to well-established churches that had all kinds of programs for their families. That happens. And that's rough when you go to an era and start a church, because that does happen. But here's the point. Never has God not provided for me. We can be content knowing that the Father's got it in control. 1 Timothy 6, you have to see this one. 1 Timothy 6, turn there. You may want to mark this in your Bible if you haven't already. In verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Let me give you three neat things I read today about contentment. Here's the first one. The good life exists only when we stop wanting a better one. The good life exists only when we stop wanting a better one. The itch for things is a virus draining the soul of contentment. Boy, that's true. The itch for things is a virus draining the soul of contentment. Here's another one. Many people want what they don't need and they need what they don't want. Boy, that speaks to carnal Christianity, doesn't it? The Laodicean age. Many people want what they don't need and need what they don't want. Here's another one. This is profound. You are only poor when you want more than you have. You're only poor when you want more than you have. All of these things are talking about contentment. Back to Philippians chapter four. It says in verse 13, and now verse 13, remember. Yes, I know, it's on plaques, it's on cards, it's all over the place. People love Philippians 4.13, but Philippians 4.13 was never meant to be surgically removed from verses 11 and 12, actually from the whole chapter. See, verse 13 comes on the heels of, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith be content. I know both how to be a base, I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. What's he saying? This goes back to verses 11 and 12. He can be content and make it through any situation he faces because he has the Lord with him at all times. Verse 13 has the perspective, has the view, has the vision on the concept of, yes, even when things are hard for me, I can make it through them because I've got the Lord. That's what verse 13 is. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. It's not a verse that makes you a super Christian. It's a reality that says, regardless of what comes over my life, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians twelve nine, my grace, the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for thee for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul said, most gladly therefore I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I think at that point, Paul got a little bit more contentment into his life because he came to the realization, wait a minute, God's telling me I am better and more effective when things are difficult for me than when things aren't difficult for me. Okay, Lord, Lord, I'm okay with that. That's contentment. That's contentment. Verse 14, notwithstanding you have well done that you did communicate or share with my affliction. Okay, so while they lacked opportunity for a while, it got to where they could provide that again for Paul and started giving him gifts and so forth and helping him financially in the ministry. All right? Uh, Folks, listen, the Christian life is not always easy, but it's the best life. There is no life better than that. And if for no other reason, the Christian life is in fact eternal life because the life of the Christian is one that is eternal. Yes, it's temporary in the sense of we're only gonna live so long on this planet, but that eternal life we receive the moment we trust Christ the Savior is ours forever. You're in chapter four, look back to chapter three. In verse 9, how do you get to heaven? Listen carefully tonight. Maybe you're here and you're not sure where you're going when you die. Are you sure you're going to heaven when you die? If so, based on what? You might say, Well, I'm a faithful Christian. You're not going to heaven. Not on that. What do you mean? You're saying you have to be faithful to go to heaven. No, that's works. You're not saved by your works. Well, I'm a good person. You're not going to heaven. Not on that. What do you mean? The Bible says there's none righteous. No, not one. There's none that doeth good. See, God's standard is a standard of perfection. You have to be sinlessly perfect in the eyes of God. And as he views you, you have to have no sin in the eyes of eternity to get into heaven. Who's that? Nobody in themselves. Nobody. But here's what the Lord did. If this hand is you and me and my wallet represents our sin, we're all sinners. We know that. God loves us though. He hates our sin. To go to heaven, as I mentioned, you have to be sinless and none of us are. God says you've sinned. Your sin has to be paid for and the wages of sin is only one thing. Death. The wages of sin is not sacraments, ordinances, Turning from sin, turning over a new leaf on life, making promises with God, keeping the commandments, getting water baptized, none of those things will pay for sin. Death is the only payment. Well, if I do it, if I have to pay for my sins and I die with my sins, I'll be lost forever in hell. God doesn't want that for me. He says, I'm gonna take care of it for you, and that's what he did. This hand representing the Lord Jesus Christ, he came into the world, God himself He went to the cross and he took our sin upon himself and he made the payment so that we don't have to. He was buried, came back from the dead. He says, if you put your faith, your trust in him, he will give you everlasting life and he'll do it as a gift. There's no strings attached. It's a gift. He loves you that much. Philippians 3, 9. And when you trust Christ, here's where you are. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through, you notice how you get the righteousness of God? That which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. When you believe, when you trust in Jesus Christ, you are found in him. He gives you his righteousness. Not human works that, won't, that our righteousness is of no value. His righteousness is of infinite value. So I urge you to trust Jesus Christ if you've never done that.